Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 101 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Uncle Ray Ray. And I'm joined here by my decadent co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader. The man who has more stories than Forrest Gump. <laughs> the brown Tom Selleck lookalike. JJ, how's it going, man? Good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. And our guest today is a full-time trader, educator, and author of the highly regarded book, Technical Analysis, using multiple time frames and the soon-to-be-released Maximize Trading Games with Anchored VWAP. His expertise has been achieved over a 30-year period of trading and market analysis. The second time appearing on the podcast, Mr. Only Price Pays. You guys already know who I'm talking about, Brian Shannon. Brian, how's it going, hey, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. So this is Confessions of a Market Maker 101. 101, Indeed. Brian. Yes. Indeed. Yes, sir, man. And, um, you know, first things first, Brian, before we jump into Anchored VWAP talk, the new book, Market, I wanted to start it off asking if you're still growing weed because I still haven't received my package in the mail. <laughs> Uh, that was something that, you know, actually I did grow some this year too, but it, it, it's kind of been a hobby of mine. Um, the funny thing is that I don't even smoke it anymore. I, I uh, have been 100% sober since November of uh, 2021. Awesome. So I just kind of grow it as a hobby and give it to friends. But, um, you know, I seem to be better at growing that than, you know, they come out better than my tomato plants or my cucumbers or anything like that. I've kind of always grown stuff and, um, you know, that was the forbidden plant to grow, um, but it's legal here in Colorado to do it. So I experimented with it and, you know, had a had pretty good success. That's awesome, man. <laughs> cool, cool hobby. Uh, that's that's cool to hear the uh, like the sober bit. I, I, I used to um, I, I mean, I don't really smoke too much anymore. Neither. Um, you know, people are such on like this big kick about like getting good sleep. And when yeah. I was when I was seeing the the effects it has on like maybe like you're not getting good enough sleep and stuff like that. I started kind of reconsidering, um, you know, some of these things. How, how you been feeling since you, you said you've been sober since November? Well, you know, the book, the new book is done. It's It's been out. It's kind of, it kind of sold out the first round because Amazon doesn't let me uh, send in a ton of uh, supply at once. But I would have never been able to get that book done had it not been for, you know, the, the state of mind that I was in over the last year and a half, just being able to focus so much better, my uh, attention span, my sleep, just, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many good ways it has affected my life, just my mood, my overall cognition. Um, it's, it's really it made me wonder why it took so long to, to get there. Um, you know, I, so, you know, I did quit one, or one time, I didn't, I, I hadn't drank for 14 years once. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But then I turned 15 and that's when it all started. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. That's awesome. All right. Um, all right. So let's talk. Uh, oh, and just, just a note to the listeners. Um, we're going to jump into Brian's background. We're not going to jump into uh, Brian's background too much. We covered that in episode 45. So you guys can go back, listen to that. That was the first episode we had him on. All right. So Brian, let's talk some uh, anchored VWAP. I know many are yeah, really. I gotta plug it, right? So yeah, let's plug it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I, I got questions too. So. New book, hardcover, all these color charts inside there. 
it, uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. It just came out last week, like I said, um, and uh, it, it'll be back in stock on Amazon next week. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I had um, uh, speaking of it being sold out, um, I, I had a uh, have a European buddy who's he, he's he's a little upset. He wanted me to ask you, is it is it is going to be available to Europe too as well? I don't know if that's just due to the um, you know it being out of stock. Well, here's the thing is, you know, to send it into Amazon, they control where it goes. What I've oh. heard some people say is that they've been able, you know, from the UK to log into Amazon.com, I think, forward slash US and mm-hmm. order it on the US site when it's in stock. And it, you know, they told me that the shipping was $15 to the UK, which is a great deal. So um, it will be in an ebook as well. Uh, probably by this weekend. It's, uh, oh, it's cool. kind of an interesting story. On uh, so I'm, I'm trying to put it on Apple Books, and the funny thing is, I you know I told people the price of the ebook is thirty nine dollars, and I I uploaded to Apple, and they told me that the price you know their recommended price is eleven ninety five. I said, well, no, you know I'm not interested <laughs> in the recommended price, yeah. and I've got to jump through hoops and you contact this department and that department to get my price, and I said. Well, you know, I, I would like to get one of your MacBooks for $500. I think you have that price wrong. I mean, who you know, who are they yeah, to, no get, kidding. To, to price my product? It's insane. It's, you know, anyways, I went on a tangent there. It's It will be on an ebook though, and, and available in 80 countries here uh, in the next uh, few days. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. I've, I've had the, the pleasure of going through most of it. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it, it's great too with the, um, you able to have the charts in there too to, to reference it. Cause I know some of this can I, maybe get a little hard to conceptualize without seeing the chart too. So the charts are in there for reference. Um, it's great. So I guess for the listeners, Brian, who aren't familiar with anchored VWAP, could you, could you maybe just give a synopsis of, of the indicator? Sure. Well, the, the VWAP itself, volume weighted average price is the uh, price for one day. It's a cumulative volume weighted average price. So it takes every single trade into consideration and says, here's the average, you know, the average price based on volume that the stock is traded at. It can be a lot different than a time-based one, um, but it's, you know, it was originally in 1988 uh, invented mm-hmm. to basically to uh, determine whether a good execution was being made on behalf of institutions. So if you beat the VWAP for your customer, you did a good job. If you did worse than the volume weighted average price, it gave you a benchmark to compare to. Anyways, I I started playing around with it in about 2003 and noticed I could kind of, you know, put, uh, you know, start it on one day and, you know, have like a five day chart. And then I had a horizontal chart. uh, I'm sorry, trend tool where I'd be able to draw uh, the, the volume weighted average price. And I would just draw straight across, but it would go up and down. So it was actually calculating the volume weighted average price anchored to the beginning point. So the difference between VWAP, which is for one day, and the anchored VWAP is just the user chooses where to start it. There's nothing, you know, nothing more complicated than, than that. So yesterday when the Federal Reserve came out at two o'clock with their announcement, I put in, you know, I anchor a volume weighted average price to that point. I'll anchor it to earnings reports, to uh, significant highs and lows to, uh, you know, all kinds of news and um, just significant volume events in the market. So the anchored volume weighted average price is, again, that same measurement, but from a specific 
period. So starting from the earnings report, it tells us the absolute supply and demand from that point, who's in control, buyers or sellers. There's no ambiguity about it. It's 100% objective. It tells you if it's above the volume weighted average price from that earnings report, the buyers are in control. And you'll start to notice that the the volume, the, the AVWAP from, from the um, earnings report will often act as support on pullbacks. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's how institutions buy big positions. I tweeted something the other day that, you know, we just saw that uh, Ken Griffin, his hedge fund, the top earning hedge fund ever. Well, not a lot of people remember this or probably even, you know, acknowledged it, noticed it. When he was, remember uh, when, uh, what's that woman's name? Maxine Waters brought yes. everyone in front of Congress because of uh, AMC and, yep. and trading and that. Um, they interviewed Ken Griffin as well in, 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 in their role, Citadel's role in you know what was going on, trying to get to the bottom, uh, get some answers. And Ken Griffin said, you know, listen, you know, the majority of our orders are algorithm based most of those are based around volume average price orders. Mm-hmm. And he went on to say that the volume weighted average price orders can be for a day, week, or even months. So here you've got to put these two pieces together. The person in, in whose fund is the number one performing fund of all time has just said, this is what we do. And it's not just volume weighted average price for one day. So it's from the earnings report. And you'll notice that as the stock pulls back to that volume weighted average price anchored to the beginning of the earnings, there's buyers in there. Well, that's because that's the way they trade and that's the way their programs are set. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And I, and I believe that's something you mentioned. You you mentioned that in um, the section of the book when how institutions uh, use VWAP anchored VWAP. I think it's incredibly, oh. incredibly helpful because uh, we generally want to be on the side the the same side as them um, on, on some of the, on some of these plays, correct? Yeah, and it, and it tells us the key levels where we can anticipate that they might take action. Right. So when it pulls back to that level, to me, it's not an automatic place to do business. You, you read about that as well. Instead, I look at it and say it's at that level. Here's what typically happens in that area. Now I want to wait for price confirmation that the buyers are actually taking mm-hmm. control. As it bounces from that VWAP, then I want to buy the momentum away from it or short the momentum as it bounces from a declining volume weighted average price and then set my stop underneath the most recent relevant higher low and, you know, let the market do the rest. It's, it's you know, the beauty of it is we can anchor, um, like I said, you know, from a Federal Reserve uh, uh, meeting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Well, you can also anchor, you know, on a, a day trader can go into their one minute chart for the day. And let's say the stock opens at 100, runs to 105 in the first hour and a half. Then it comes down to 102. Or we can anchor a volume weighted average price off that high at 105 and then see, you know, how sellers react to that and where buyers regain control. The beauty is, you know, whether you're using a one minute chart for scalping you're using a 15 minute for swing trading or you're using a monthly time frame for your long term investments the analysis just like in all technical analysis is always the same because of the fractal nature of technical analysis yep yep i love that i love that you mentioned that in the in the book as well um brian so i i never like put this together man but like you're you're the 
the founder, the inventor of Anchored VWAP. Like that's right. I mean, that's pretty cool, I, man. I didn't invent it. I, I have to be clear. Um, there, there is a uh, Paul Levine uh, kind of invented the Anchored VWAP. You know, his work was really groundbreaking. That was in 1992, I think. It never kind of went anywhere. He died and his research kind of died with him, unfortunately. Um, I kind of self-rediscovered it on uh, Realtek back in 2003 and started playing around with it. And then in 2000, I think it was 2015, um, the people at TC2000 said, hey, Brian, you know, take a look at our software. We think you, you, it'd be a good one for you to use. I said, you know, I, you guys have a great reputation. I like your software, but here's what I'm looking for. You know, Realtek wouldn't build this for me, but if you can build a point and click anchored volume weighted average price on all time frames, I'm done. I'm yours. I'm, I'm going to come trade. I'm going to do my videos on your uh, software. And they built it. They built it nice. I mean, within two weeks. It was crazy. And since then, I mean, it's really taken off. Um, I've been tweeting nonstop about it for the last several years, <laughs> kind of built the whole, you know, so I didn't invent it, but I certainly, you know, it's the reason it's on TC2000. I'm yeah. the reason it's on TrendSpider and a number of other ones. So um, I'm the adopted father of it. I, I, I'll take <laughs> credit for that. Adopted well, father, yeah. Yeah, I remember you came into our trading room and did a did a you know a seminar on anchored VWAP and and you know after that, I wasn't really much of a candle trader before. You know, I was all you know structural with market profile, right. and I, and I gotta actually give you a little bit of the gears here because I started getting anchored VWAP addiction and I had charts. I, I had like four monitors just filled with candle charts. You know, and I was like. Okay, maybe I should buy more monitors. It got a little, <laughs> it got a little carried away with it, you know. But it's it's fascinating how you know you can anchor it to a high or a low or to a Fed thing or a news event and how responsive it is. You know, for those technical quick trades, um, you know, of course size is going to break levels, but this this is really really fascinating to watch the reaction um, at, at different places to anchor. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, and I remember. Like after that, the next week you're like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" It, it, I know it's so fun to see, and it's yeah, it's really. I hope that's what this book does as well. Is it really opens a lot more people's eyes? Because honestly, I've never met anyone who has given it a legitimate look and said, "Okay, I'm going to study this," and have they haven't adopted it as a primary piece of their analysis. Exactly. It's, it's not a you know, it's not a math based you know. You know, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with a lot of the other oscillators and indicators out there, but this one is just based on actual supply and demand. And exactly. You say that about yeah. a lot of tools. There's a lot the, of. The, Go ahead. The, the, there's sorry to interrupt. I'm jumping ahead. It, there's a beautiful simplicity to it. Yeah. Because what I find in retail trading is people are looking at 200 different things, and that doesn't free up their mind to actually go and execute. You know, it'd be like if you ever saw Muhammad Ali fight, you know, he wouldn't be going, you know, the trajectory of this punch is going to hit the guy here. And, you know, maybe I should. No, it was came natural because that that execution has to flow naturally. And if you're looking at too many things, you're getting jammed up and getting chopped up and things like that. This kind of cuts through a lot of that. And yeah. the I, simplicity, I you of know, that. you know, one of that I, I'm a big fan of these market quotes. And one of my favorites is. Uh, simplicity is the market's greatest disguise. 
things. Mm -hmm. You know, people will try to complicate it and they'll say, well, I'm looking for the advanced material. Exactly. You don't need the advanced material. The advanced material is that it's simple. That's the advanced knowledge. Yeah. Sorry, Ray. (laughs) Go ahead. No, no, no. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. And I think that just like transcends like any field, right? Like the people who are like the top performers, they know how to simplify things, um, you know, to, to just make it uh, digestible. Um, I'm just going to take a quick second here to shout out our sponsors of the podcast, Apex Mm -hmm. Trader and Top Step Funding. Any listener of this podcast that has the skills to pass an evaluation can become a prop trader fully funded by either Apex or Top Step Funding, our own micro e-futures trading community. Many members who are now fully funded, no need to trade with your own money. You can keep 90% of the profits to learn more. You can visit our website at microefutures.com. Definitely. JJ, and JJ, I know, I know you're like this too, man. Um, like with the anchored VWAP, you know, I'm, I'm reading the book, Brian, and, and hearing you talk about like market structure, supply, demand. And like when I was first learning from JJ, this was, you know, the same, same type of concepts he was teaching me. And you can see this with anchored VWAP. Um, which I really like. So can you maybe just speak to that, like the, the supply demand aspect? Well, actually, you know what the, the uh, thing is too, that I, I had, um, uh, the book is in three sections. One, you know, the first section is kind of theoretical, get to, you know, be familiar with the components, price, volume, and time, how they come together elegantly as a volume weighted average price that's cumulative and, and uh, you know, follows price action. Uh, the second is really the meat of it, which is the strategies. And I think I've got, I, I should know this, probably eight or nine different strategies that you can use, you know, tomorrow. Uh, and then the third part, there's uh, three little appendixes. One, one is about market structure. One is about, um, you know, moving averages and the five-day moving averages I like to use to kind of catch people up. But, you know, the market is supply and demand. One of the things that I, you know, that I've always used as a really good example of the psychology of the psych- supply and demand is, for instance, the 50-day moving average. Most people look at the 50-day moving average and say, hey, the stock's pulling back to the 50-day moving average. That's support. I'm going to buy there. It's a potential level of support. We know this, right? Why is it a potential level of support? If you think about the stock that pulled back from $80 a share to 72, where that 50-day moving average is, well, there were some hedge funds that were selling it short up at 80 and 78 because it was two standard deviations or whatever their reason Mm -hmm. was. And they say, we're going to short it because it should pull back down to the 50-day moving average. That's our projection. We'll start to cover in there. So the short stop shorting, that's less supply. They start to cover. There's more demand. Mm-hmm. An institution that owns the stock at 65, you know, and, and it ran up to 80. Well, they say, let's lighten some of this uh, uh, exposure, sell when we can, not when we have to. And they say, well, we're going to stop selling, you know, if it gets uh, within one standard deviation of the 50-day moving average. So they, you know, add supply, then they stop the supply. Other people start, you know, continue to sell it. Maybe some late people are shorting it down to that level. And then that same institution said, okay, well, I sold 500,000 shares at higher prices. Now I want there to be support at the 50-day moving average. So I'm going to stick a bid in and I'm Mm going to replace up to 200,000 of those shares. Exactly. So they're kind of forcing the demand in there as well to create, help, you know, create that perception. So again, let, you know, the short stop selling, they start to cover. The long institution 
stops selling, he starts to add to his position. Starts Let's to bid. supply more demand. Sideline yeah. cash comes in and says, yep. hey, it's at the 50-day moving average. I'm going to stick a bid in there. So that's what we have. And that's what people have to remember about supply and demand is it's not just for, you know, it's not just patterns that we remember on a chart. And it's not just, hey, pull back to the moving average. I'm buying it. Why does that become support? Why does that supply and demand or how does that supply and demand transition into support and resistance? Mm hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, sorry. Uh, you know, like I always say to these guys, you know, when the market falls to a certain level, like say a standard deviation, you know, you get people covering, you get people bidding there. And then once that supply, because the supply is not coming in fast enough to satisfy that demand, then, you know, people start, supply starts running out on the bid. People start taking the offer and that gets those price chasers in. Yeah. Right. And then boom, that's when, you know, that's when you get that reaction. Right. Because, you know, I always say a lack of supply creates demand. Right. In these markets, it's that's the best thing to do, because I when I was squeezing stocks myself, you know, because we'd have all the insiders, I just tell them, OK, don't sell anything. Watch. I'm just going to take it all in. Like, you know, you retail a stock out between five and seven, dip it under five, buy back a million shares, you look buying retention. Right. And then, boom, you know, when you go through eight dollars, it's just like a hot knife through butter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so again, it's, 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 you know, the, the 50 day moving average is easiest to describe because most people look at that, but it could also be, you know, a 61.8% retracement. It could be because yeah. there's a moon cycle and some people look at that. <laughs> it, and, you know, it's also though the psychology of the anchored volume weighted average price. And that's the thing that a lot of people have looked at the anchored view app and said, well, that's probably a coincidence. So I always make these tweets they joke about, hey, here's another coincidence, you know, it just <laughs> nailed it and then just, you know, continued from there. Um, but it's it's about understanding how other participants perceive, you know, risk in, in key levels so that we can then say, OK, that's a level of interest at that pullback to the volume weighted average price. But it doesn't mean I'm going to buy there. It means I'm going to start to look at it on a shorter term time frame. And look for the evidence that the buyers are, in fact, gaining control. Is it starting to stabilize a little bit? Has it made a short-term higher high? And if so, I buy there with a stop below the most recent relevant higher low. And then, again, if it pulled back from 80 to 72, well, I'm going to buy it at 72.65. And if it goes and breaks out at 80, I'm absolutely going to sell some on the breakout because the breakout chasers are late. The smart money bought as it was either, you know, if you're an institution, you kind of have to buy the pullback. But for, you know, unless you're trading, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, there's no reason to put your money at risk. Let other people do the dirty work in exactly. that area. And then as the trend emerges on the shortest term time frame, that's where you participate mm -hmm. and manage risk. And, and that's it. That's our job. It's pretty simple. Yep. Nice. Yep. I love it. And, and, and I love, I love the, um, in, in the book, like the, the market psychology, uh, like, like sections after some of the, yeah. um, in, um, you know, it really gets you to think critically, like you said, okay, I'm not just going to buy when we retest anchored VWAP. Like what is the, you know, what is the cumulative, like, what would you be feeling if you were long or short here and et cetera, and just like, not just automatically buying, getting to think critically. Um, I really appreciated that part. Um, as yeah, well. 
Thanks for that reminder because I, I meant to uh, bring that up is that each strategy in every chapter has, you know, some of the psychology. In fact, it you know, says psychology and it also has risk management. And there's examples of trades that didn't work, which I think is key because most books, they're just like, hey, look, look how easy <laughs> it is. They all work. But, you know, if you have if you have a stop, who cares? It, you know, they don't all have to be perfect. That's that's not reality. It's about limiting your risk and understanding why the trend may have reversed so that you can just have, you know, have confidence in what you do in the market. And that's a great feeling. And it comes from knowledge, understanding psychology of what makes the market work and how people respond in different areas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, because it really is not just an anchored VWAP book. I mean, that's the that's the the crux of it. Um, but you have the, the the risk, the psychology, and like that's um, that's awesome. That's great. Um, I know Brian, you spoke a little bit about some of you know some of the places um, earlier in the podcast to anchor VWAP two um, highs, lows, Fed events, um, news events, things like that. Um, what maybe what are some of you know maybe mistakes you see people make um, anchor into VWAP? Good question. I think a lot of people try to, uh, you know, kind of retrofit a VWAP. So in other words, they'll they'll go back in, in time and they'll say, hey, look, it's at the anchored VWAP from February 16th of 2018. It's like, OK, but there was nothing significant. There. All <laughs> you did was take it and draw it back and show you what you wanted to see. So they're curve fitting their VWAP. Uh... It, it has to be from something significant. What we're trying to measure is trends psych rather crowd psychology from an event and how the market evolves from that event. So the the trick is, you know, some people say, well, I anchor it to where I bought. Well, you know, that's your personal <laughs> VWAP and that's your, you know, that that's your most important price. That's your anchor point. You should be anchored mentally there. But to add in a VWAP to that level, you're the only one who cares <laughs> about that price. You know, you want to anchor to levels that have significance to the crowd. Exactly. Gaps, earnings reports, Fed, um, share buybacks, whatever, yeah. FDA announced, earnings reports. You know, anything that yeah. causes a really a supply and demand shock is really what measures it best. It was, I'm sorry, where to anchor uh, the best for, you know, for value to find the value from that event. Yep. Yep. Good, good. Um, one of something I've been incorporating, because um, I guess I kind of like this is, you know, something I guess you can notice um, maybe like a pattern or maybe I've seen it happen with like moving averages um, or just VWAP itself where you'll get price like kind of like consolidating or you like to call it pinching, right? Like the 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 pinch constant. Yeah. Um, and I guess one, just maybe explain a little bit the pinch. Cause I found that very useful and I find it useful in my own trading. Um, I guess price kind of being trapped between two anchored VWAP points and then either breaking above or below. Um, yeah, I guess just, just speak to that. Yeah. So, so the pinch really, what it, what I mean by that is let's say we have a stock in an uptrend, and it, you know, we anchor it to the beginning of that uptrend from three months ago. And the stock in the last three months has pulled back to the anchored VWAP from that low maybe three times. And each time it bounces with a successive higher low. So that anchored VWAP off the low has been support. It rallied from 20 up to 45. 
pulled back and tested the anchored VWAP at, you know, 27, 32, and 42. And as it dropped from 45, let's say down to 43 and 42, it becomes apparent that that high at 45, you know, came, is, is something to measure risk against and say, okay, you know, maybe it's at 41 now. And we realized the high at 45 was significant. So we set an anchor to that to say, what's the psychology of the average participant from that peak? What, you know, how are they positioned? The average short from there is making money. The average long since that event is losing money. So what happens is the VWAP anchored to the low kind of comes comes up and the one from the top comes down and presses on it. So it kind of ping pongs between the two of them. And you'll see that that, that one off the top acts as supply and that rallies are sold into it. Well, the range constricts and we see a compression of energy. And, you know, a trend once established is more likely to continue than reverse. So we would be looking and saying, well, the primary trend is an uptrend. It's digesting that big rally from what I say, 20 to 45. Mm -hmm. It's it's turned sideways for the last two and a half months within this pinch. It's neutralized. Now, if it can break beyond the VWAP anchored to that high at 45, it tells us that with, with 100% certainty, the buyers are in control from that point. The average short seller who's been involved from that high at 45 two months ago is now losing money. Doesn't mean all of them, but the average. What's the crowd behavior and how is the crowd position? So if the shorts are, you know, are, you know, theoretically now underwater, well, they can potentially add uh, demand to help squeeze and, and, you know, the buyers are back in control. We've rid the sellers of the market, and uh, now it's in strong hands that wants to hold. So the next move out of there is more likely to continue. It doesn't always. I put a couple of failed pinches in there. And again, that's always why risk management is emphasized in, in every single trade. Yep, absolutely. That's definitely one of my favorite concepts uh, from the book. Brian, uh, a lot of people, they... um you know, kind of like to the points, you know, we've been talking about, they'll treat like the moving averages um, or VWAP as kind of like similar, but there, there is a difference, right? And, and you do talk to about it in the book where having the, the volume weight um, is very important and it kind of keeps it more up to date, whereas the moving averages can be a little bit lagging. Could you just, just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with moving averages. They, what we have to realize though is why do moving averages you know work and it's because of the psychology around them. there's no magic to 20 days 50 days you know 200 days that's just what the market has agreed upon over the years and that's what everyone teaches that's what everyone learns that's what everyone responds to so these are somewhat arbitrary times so the 50-day moving average why is that popular instead of let's say a 63-day moving average which is how many days are in a quarter, which is more important. Anyways, the market agreed that 50 days was important. So I still want to you know, keep an eye on that. But what's most important is from an event, not, not just a random time-based thing, but since that earnings report, who has control, buyers or sellers? Now, maybe the, the volume-weighted average price from the gap will also be found near the 20-day moving average and you know they 
that finds support. So anytime we have, you know, a confluence of technical indicators, we have the volume weighted average price. It's pulled back to the volume weighted average price uh, from the IPO, let's say. Uh, that's also, it's pulled back to the 20-day moving average in that same area. And it's also a 61.8% retracement of the most recent rally. Well, you're going to have people coming to the same conclusion in the same area. Just like we spoke about the 50-day moving average, there'll be people that say, hey, I'm going to start buying at the 61.8% retracement. I'm going to start covering my short at the 61.8% retracement. I'm going to stop selling at the 61.8% retracement. So there's a group of people, long, shorts, and in cash, coming to the same conclusion at 61.8% that that level is important. But at the same time, because the 20-day moving average is there, we have, again, long, shorts, and in cash coming to the same conclusion in the same area. And then the anchored VWAP from that area all coming together, that you know kind of magnifies the importance of that level because we have you know, maybe just the, you know, just the Fibonacci trader who looks at nothing else, but he's coming up to, the, to that decision in that area and the VWAP trader. And, you know, then you've got to say, well, where do we where do we stop adding indicators? Mm -hmm. And because, you know, do we need everything to be lined up? I think that, you know, the answer there is, again, simplicity. And we want to know what are other people, what do other people value? What do you, you know? What are the more common events, uh, technical indicators, and events? So you know, adding the kurtosis or Adam's pitchfork or you know the moon cycles. There's a small group of people that look at that, but it's not enough to really sway the crowd as much. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, jump in. That I always say, like you know, you always want to look where size is transacting, right? Yep. I mean. That that's what we care about, right? Because size is what moves price, right? You know, so yep. that's that's that totally makes sense. It's, the more people are transacting, there's more size there. Yeah, and the greater you know, the price has memory, as they say. Yeah. And the greater the price uh, uh, turnover in that area, the greater significance it has to more people. So again, that's why we want to anchor from high volume. Uh, and especially when there was a supply demand shock that might have caused a gap or just a breakout or a, uh, you know, a recent, you know, significant turning point, either a local high or a low. So those are, you know, all kind of tie together, JJ, with that in, in terms of where to anchor and, and most important, why to anchor in these areas. Yeah. And, and that's what I really appreciate about the way you, you teach and the way that you explain things is that you give this like a real world, you know, like what's really happening, like the real world mechanics of what's actually happening, which is, which helps people really understand because when you're just looking at a chart, you have, especially if they haven't worked in the business, they don't know what the transactions are that it's creating the chart. And the way that you explain things really helps bring light to that. I, I think that's wonderful. Thank you. I, you know, I, I, I try to do that because, you know, most people are like, well, I'm look, I look for cups and handles. Okay, why do you look for cups and handles? Yeah. What does that represent? Well, you had a stock hit 40, it pulled back to 30, it hit 40 again, and then it pulled back to 35, and it hit 40 again. Well, the buyers became more aggressive. They didn't wait for 30. They took control at 35. They hit, you know, now the distance between those tests of 40 is shorter. It means 
not only getting more aggressive price-wise with a higher low, but they're getting more aggressive time-wise because the first test was eight weeks, and, you know, the cup, and now the handle is three weeks, well, they're getting more aggressive time-wise, so it's more likely that they're overwhelming that source of supply at $40 per share, and then it's going to break through. So mm -hmm. it's always about understanding psychology. It's so much more important than just being a monkey and memorizing you know, patterns. It's true, because when I first started retail trading, I was looking at these, I bought this book, and it was like, all these patterns, it was thick like a Bible. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. Right. You know, heads and shoulders and cups and raccoons holding flags and bears holding. I was like, oh, man, this is not going to work. I just couldn't memorize it all, right? And uh, so it, it's really great. I'm grateful that. I, I think a lot people... of people get hung up in, in candlestick uh, terminology as well. The, the three marching soldiers and the yeah, spinning like... top. And it's all useless in my mind. It's it's just so hard to memorize it all and then react to it when you see it in real time. That, well, you know, you, you, my argument is you don't need to. You know, yeah. by the time that that spinning top is done spinning <laughs> on your daily chart, yeah, you've already, you already know what's going on because you've been observing it on a shorter term time frame. Yeah, uh, you you understand what built that candle on the daily time frame by observing intraday, and it's about using multiple time frames together to look inside the action to get a better understanding of, of what that bigger picture means. Exactly. And just so we don't, I don't want to upset the candle traders out there. Just, just saying that I, I, I had, I couldn't memorize it. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't want to upset them either. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jay. Uh, Ray. Um, it, the bottom line is, you know, we've all got our ways of, of, mm -hmm. of you know, professionals who've been doing it a while who are profitable. We know it works for us. Yeah. If, if it helps you to memorize, you know, 500 patterns, that's what you should do. It's, it's, there's no dogmatic approach yeah. in my mind. Some people will say there is, but, um, you know, to me, it's, it's keep it simple, supply and demand. If you have, you know, patterns that work for you or candles that you recognize that have helped you make money, keep doing that. If it works, do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think it just adds to the complexity of it. Um, much more simpler uh just just take the simple approach i think yeah. but um uh we got we got a group of uh degenerate listeners brian <laughs> and, and i know they're wondering if anchored vwap works with maybe some of these um more volatile assets crypto maybe some like low float uh, low float type of stocks um is there anything that anchored vwap isn't applicable to not that i've seen you know truthfully i mean if it's got price Time and volume, it, it's, 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 uh, it can be used and used effectively. Now, when you're day trading some of these, you know, super volatile stocks, well, you know, anchoring a volume weighted average price year to date when we're now 22 <laughs> days into the market, that's not going to help you. You know, yeah. since their last earnings report three months ago, that's not going to help you. If you're day trading, you should be on a one minute chart. And you should anchor it to the beginning of the day. You should, you know, if it had a big overnight range, well, you should have that data in there as well and say the anchored VWAP from the beginning of the uh, pre-market, uh, from the high of the pre-market, the low of the pre-market, and see how it responds around that those times. And then, you know, as the day progresses, it runs up, you know, hits a high at 11.15 a.m., comes down to a low at 12.36 Anchor one off that high, anchor one off that low. And then, you know, it, it's, it's again, it's it, the personality of the stock 
kind of and the trader determine what time frame to analyze the 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 analysis should be done on but the analysis is, is the same that's the beauty of it whether it's a one minute chart 10 minute chart 30 minute daily weekly monthly it, it's all the same concepts you only have to learn it once yep it's beautiful price time and volume yeah that's, that's all you need that's great um i guess uh jj i don't know if you have any more anchored vwap questions specifically. uh not so much those just really okay because i have some really, yeah because i have more miscellaneous I, questions brian i, I, don't know I, if I just have one miscellaneous when you're done we'll get yeah we'll get to it yeah, i, I no just problem. wanted to see brian if there's anything else about anchored vwap or the book you wanted to get out before we do like a little miscellaneous stuff that's the book i've got to promote it so it's <laughs> uh you know it, it was on amazon last week they sold out there'll be new ones in next week so um you know look for it on amazon Yep. Yep. And and I, I can vouch for it myself. We don't, we don't have anyone on the podcast that we don't, we don't like, or we don't vouch for. So, um, definitely it's, it's, it's some real good stuff. And, and like I mentioned to you before, Brian, before the podcast, you've been a humongous influence on my own trading. Um, so we appreciate you, uh, coming on. Um, I guess we'll start with this, uh, some of the miscellaneous stuff and we'll get you out of here. Um, we've seen some nice moves here, um, in the market recently. What, what are you seeing from the charts? Well, you know, it's funny today, right now, the NASDAQ is at the anchored volume weighted average price. It's at 3.11, basically. It's right at the anchored VWAP from last year, the high of 2023, and the COVID low. So, you know, we've seen this rally from 260 to 310, 50 points. Uh, You know, that's close to 20% in just a month and a half. Um, So it's getting extended. This is a likely area for it to kind of settle down. I'd love to see it pull back, you know, see that 200 day moving average flatten out in the next week and a half or two. Um, But you know, this has been a huge rally, protect your gains, don't chase things. Um, I it could be setting up for a a better than expected year. um, But at the same time, you know, it's, it's not going to go straight up. So protect these gains you have now and just, you know, stick to your timeframe, whatever that may be. Excellent. Brian, did you have any challenges uh, writing the book? I, I can imagine there it could yeah, be um, could be difficult, I guess, putting some of this into words and stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, one, I'm not a natural born writer. And uh, I tend to have a little bit, I think, like most traders have some ADD. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I first discussed writing the book about five years, might have even been six years ago, I'm embarrassed to admit. And I, you know, I came home from this meeting. I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. I wrote down a bunch of notes, kind of a little bit of an outline. I was like, cool, I got that done. And I didn't do anything for six months. And then I would go, okay, I got to do something there. I write an intro. Okay, great. You know, and my, my writing process was, okay, I'm going to sit down on the weekend where it's quiet. I'm just going to open a Word document and start writing. Well, I'd write two sentences and I'd check my email, see what's going on on Twitter write a sentence, (laughs) go get a sandwich, you know, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been writing all day. And, (laughs) you know, I've got about eight, eight sentences. (laughs) And that was my process for five years until about a year ago, I really kind of got serious and just said, it's obviously not doing it itself. I got to, you know, I got to commit here and Man, it, it's uh, it's a lot of work. I'm glad it's done. Um, I, you know, I, I was very meticulous about the way it was written, 
what was included. So uh, I wish it was done years ago, but it, it was done when it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, I was thinking, I was, I was thinking too, like as I'm reading it, like because you, you have the, the the chart examples and stuff. Like, how was it? Was it like time consuming picking out like chart examples, or was that like the easy part, like getting getting the charts on there? Yeah, easy part. Yeah, yeah. Because because I, you know, I, I kind of had an outline. I, I knew what my chapters were going to be, so I just put a little uh, a little note next to my computer with those, and I would remember remind. You know, I go through thousands of charts every day. So when mm. I saw a good example, I would just, you know, kind of take a note of that. Or if I saw an example that didn't look good, I would, you know, capture that and throw it in a folder. Um, that was a part of the problem, too, is that I would just throw it in a folder. And then I'd be like, well, what are all these charts? Now I got to go organize them. <laughs> so uh, that was another issue with writing is my organizational skills. But uh, that was definitely the easy part, uh, Ray. Excellent. Excellent. Um, you speaking of, you're, you're talking about looking at thousands of charts a day. Are, are you someone who goes manually, manually through the market and, and like getting repetition that way? Or do you, do you, do you use any type of scanning, um, like criteria, things like that to help you scan the market? It's all manual. So on, on the weekends, I go through my master list, which is about 2000. You know, I go through that. I, it, it sounds like a lot. And I mean, it is, but I've been doing it 30 plus years. So I can get through that list in about two hours. And what I do is I just write down what might be of interest for the week ahead. So I kind of look at the chart, not just for what it is, but, you know, maybe it had a rally. And I think, well, it could pull back Monday, Tuesday, go sideways Wednesday. This might be a good candidate on Thursday. I'll make a note of that. And then I'll look for the ones that are, you know, actionable on Monday. Um, so, you know, I get that master list of 2000 down to about, you know, 250, 300. I know I'm not going to trade those 250, 300, but I look at those every single day. I have market leaders in there, stocks in play, uh, and then just pure technical setups. And my process is I've got a weekly chart up there, a daily is 65, a 30 minute, a 10 minute, and a two minute. So when I go through the chart, it populates on all six time frames, and I can go through that list really quick. I get my list down like this for the day. I make circles on the ones I like the best. I set a ton of alerts and then, you know, market opens. I'm focused on one or two of those. Uh, I ignore my alerts for the most part. Then I go back and reset them. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the process. Excellent. I, you know, I, th I think of like athletes, right. And like athletes, they have like a peak year to where they're at, like at the top of their game. Right. Um, and obviously like with age, you know, it's, it's part of the game, but with, with trading, that's we can trade for, for a long time. You're 30 years plus in the game, Brian. Do you feel like you're at your sharpest that you've been as a trader? Or do you think there's like maybe like a sweet spot for traders? You know, I was really happy with the way I performed last year um, in terms of not just not my overall number. I mean, my number was good, but it, it wasn't exceptional. It didn't blow the lights out. But I, I really worked on a lot of things that, you know, um, just being uh, sitting on my hands a lot more. Um, there, there's a certain level of maturity that comes with 30 plus years of experience, you would think. And finally, I'm there. Um, so it, to me, I think that, you know, my my peak years are kind of similar to an athlete. Okay. In that when you're maybe in your late 20s, early 30s, where you're still you're super hungry, you don't have a you, know, you don't have a lot. Maybe you're swinging for the fences You've got enough experience to know you've got to cut your losers. 
but you're really able to swing for the fences. And now, you know, I'm 55 years old. My goals have changed a little bit. I've got a nest egg. I want to protect that. I obviously want to grow it as much as possible, but my risk tolerance, my position sizing, they're all down compared to what would have been my, you know, elite performance years. Now it's just more steady, um, risk averse, but still aggressive. Nice. Makes a lot of sense. You don't look 55, Brian. You look good, man. You do. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, and I guess maybe this leads into this, man. What, what are some of your favorite uh, outdoor activities in the beautiful state of Colorado you live in? Well, it's ski season and we're getting a shit ton of snow. So that's uh, first and foremost. We're, um, I got, got into backcountry skiing a lot last year and I've got an avalanche class coming up I think next weekend. So I wow. can be safe in the backcountry. And, you know, that's just you're going up hills, great exercise. There's no crowds, the lift lines and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I'm a swimmer. I used to run, but my body is broken from running. Um, any, anything outdoors, you know, just hiking. I do a lot of hiking with the family and that sort of thing. Yeah, also, man, because I, I, sometimes, man, like just being at the screens for so long, like it just, I feel like a zombie, you know, like just got to get outside, <laughs> yeah. do something. I think it's vital or, for traders, right? Like just have some type of activity in your life, uh, I think yeah. at least. Yeah, we need ba- I mean, everyone does. We need balance and we need as you start kind of started the conversation, rest is a superpower, it, you know, being well rested, not being hung over, coming to the computer, you know, <laughs> half ass plan. Um, that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. 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 Actually, I, I've been trying to, uh, you know, the rest bit, uh, trying to take that so much more serious. Um, you know, as I, you know, am here in my thirties now and I'm like, all right, I want to, want to age gracefully now. I'm starting to think about these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't just, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brian, why is it so hard for traders? Um, and, you know, like we mentioned, we have a trading room and stuff, and I see this all the time. Why is it so hard for traders just to focus strictly on price? Why, why do you think that's so hard? I think that it's something about the mind. We just want a reason for things. You know, we're, we're intellectual creatures, and we want to know why. Um, I, you know, any for me, the transition away from that was – Somewhat of a difficult one, um, but I, you know, it's something I did over 20 years ago. I mean, I, I don't even know what channel to, to tune into if I want to look at, at CNBC. I, I, I don't know what channel it is. I truthfully, I would have to scroll through and go, oh, mm-hmm. I know it's in the 300s. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we want to know why. And, and, and I used to lose money with my opinions and, know, you know, wanting to know why. I finally, you know, learned, hey, you know what? The market doesn't care what I think. So I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to look at price action. This is a business of price. Only price pays. The market, I can write an op-ed. 12 people are going to read it. Six are going to agree. Six people are going to disagree. Some people want to argue with price action. And I'll put up a tweet and say, yeah, but Brian, what about this? What about that? I don't see that on my chart. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in discussion. I'm not interested in the devil's advocate, uh, you know, argument. I've, I've been doing this long enough. I'm, if I'm wrong, the market's going to tell me it's based on price action. And you can say, well, it's because I told you so about that chipset that we <laughs> laid in Taiwan on a boat, you know, and uh, whatever, dude. Yeah. I, 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 I really, I really appreciate that, that mentality. Um, it's like just blocking out all the noise. And I think it does take like a discipline. It really does having that, um, 
something I like, I try and be super strict with myself as well. Um, JJ, you had a question. Yeah. From, from Pierre in our room, um, okay. about a <laughs> good old Pierre, uh, you know, the understanding market structures chart, uh, that you had, you know, with the accumulation markup distribution, you wanted me to ask what, what stage do you think we're in right now? Well, that, that's a good question. And, and one I get a lot and, and here's, you know, here's kind of the, the thing about that chart. Um, I, I think that, you know, first to answer the question, I think we're probably, if you're looking at the SPY, uh, we're in one, three, um, you know, maybe two, one. So we're late accumulation, possibly heading into uh, markup. I, you know, mm -hmm. we've still got a declining 200-day moving average. So that tells me don't really trust it yet. Maybe got we it. get a pullback, the 200-day moving average flattens out, then we make higher highs and higher lows. But, but what I want to point out here is kind of similar to what we spoke about cups and handles and yeah. candles and that sort of thing is that you know, a lot of people are become obsessed with, well, what stage are we in? Mm -hmm. it, and it's a transition progress. You know, it's a transition it's from 4-3 to 1-1 to 1-2 to 1-3 to 2-1. And it's not like all of a sudden it just goes 2-1. That means buy and hold. It's how it got there. Yeah. It's more important is the action of the individual stocks for me. I'm not an investor looking to allocate my 401k to mm. you know a growth fund. It's it's about trading stocks. So I look at it more on an individual stock basis. And even if it's in one three, I might take a long trade, um, anticipating that it's going to break higher based on what I'm seeing. So it's not just about where the puck is; it's where it's going. Right? Mm. It's, it's about anticipation. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Excellent. Pierre. Excellent. Yeah, shout out to Pierre. <laughs> All right, and that's going to conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed this episode, could you please rate and review it for us? If you'd like to join a supportive and professional community of traders, you can join us at microefutures.com. Brian, I know we plugged the book a couple of times here, but yeah. is there anything else you want the listeners to know or where they can find you? Uh, you know, best place is generally on Twitter, Twitter at Alpha, Alpha Trends, A-L-P-H-A. T-R-E-N-D-S. I post a lot there. So that's the best place. Thanks for having me on, guys. You guys are great. You always have great questions. Thanks. And Thanks I respect so much. your market knowledge. You know, it's good to have educated questions. Awesome, Thank you man. so much for being with us. Yeah, it means a lot for us, you coming on. So for Brian Shannon, I'm Paulie Walnuts. He's the gorilla of House Street. You stop, though. Clear? We good?